Hello and welcome to the Clubhouse. This is Golf Monthly's weekly tour podcast in which we cast our eye over the various events that are going on in the world of golf. And um, my name is Neil Tappin and I'm joined this week by uh, Mr Nick Bonfield. Nick, hi, how are you? Very well, thanks. And yourself? Yeah, very good. I'm actually enjoying the Dubai heat because both Nick and I have come out here to Dubai for uh, the final event on the European Tour schedule, and it's very nice it has been too. Um, now, Nick, before we begin, and this is a bit of a bumper podcast, so we've got a few extra elements going in, but Nick, before we begin, paint a little picture about where exactly you and I sat. Well, if I look to my right, I see the first tee, where Ivor Robson finished up his 41 years of service on the European Tour earlier today. I look ahead, there's a great crowd, there's a stage, there's a Moe tent, it's all going on still, even though the tournament finished maybe an hour or so ago now. And I think that's very uh, indicative of, of the type of event this has been. It's been absolutely fantastic from all perspectives. Uh, and the European Tour needs to be commended for producing a, a truly fitting end-of-season spectacle here. It, it really has. I think before we get on to um, um, looking at exactly what took place here today, both Nick and I felt that this tournament really has grown in stature over the years and, and the atmosphere they create here by having live music lots of they managed to cram lots of people there was no charge for anybody to get in lots of parking for it really was a, a very easy tournament for people to come to and pe- the people responded by coming out in their droves and the atmosphere out on the course was absolutely electric it was and, and bearing in mind that this is actually uh, effectively the monday for the people of dubai and i know there's a heavy expat population out here but they really have got a huge number of people through the gates. And, and it's not just the on-course entertainment, it's all the initiatives off the course, the live music, the children's area. And we think this is a pretty good blueprint for running events going forward. But the, the drama on the course, obviously, was, was spectacular coming into the day. You know, you had the, the Willett, the McElroy, who's going to win the race to Dubai. You had Sullivan, is the cheeky chappy going to hold on and fend off the arguably, well, a player we might be talking about as the greatest ever when the curtains come down in his career. And it really had everything. And it was a, a truly fitting end to the European Tour season today. It, it was. And uh, before we come on to the talk about some of the events that took place out on the course today, um, we're actually going to hear now from uh, two of... Um, Two friends of Golf Monthly, guys called Rick Shields and Peter Finch. Uh, I'm going to hand over to myself earlier in the afternoon, which sounds a bit odd, but I'm going to hand over to myself earlier in the afternoon where I caught up with Rick and Pete um, halfway through the final round. Hello, and you join me down here on the range. Uh, it's completely empty, halfway through the final round or a little bit over, and uh, all the players are either on the golf course or in the clubhouse having a nice beer reflecting on a year on the European Tour. And I have a few special guests with me. Uh, firstly, uh, Mr Rick Shields. Hello, Rick. Hello. What a great day this has been. It's been awesome. Hasn't it? Fantastic. And Mr Peter Finch. Pete, hi. How are you? Well, hello as well. I didn't realise you had to use that kind of tone We're on the podcast. Now. Hello. No, that's exactly the tone that we use. That's how we, that's how we differentiate this from everything else we do. Uh, and also Max. Now, Max, you've been following Rick and Pete this week. You're a member here at Jumeirah Golf Estates. Uh, how's it been for you? Uh, really fun to be with my uh, inspiration, so really good. Well, that's very kind of you to say that about me. I'm very... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, now, if you don't know who Rick and Pete are, uh, just a quick word on that. Now, uh, just type their, their names into a, into a YouTube search finder and you'll find their course vlogs, their instruction tips, uh, and also their golf club reviews, and you will, well, unlock a whole new world, should we say. Mm, um, and, guys, this is... Um, I th- I think I'm right in saying the first time to the big final event of the European Tour season. Yeah, it's our, what have you made of it? It's our first time here, and it's been it's been an amazing experience. Because what's great about this event is the way it's been hosted, and the way that you, you were just talking about before we did this 
podcast is the fact that you can get so such great advantage points. The crowds aren't ridiculously busy, so it's not like the open where the crowds are horrendously hard to even get through. It's more manageable. Now, obviously, Roy McIlroy, the biggest player, main player in this in this tournament, has had a huge following. But apart from him, you can get really close to the players, much closer than you can at any other event that I've been to so far. So it has been good. It's been exciting to see that. And Pete, who have you uh, who have you been following this week, and who have you been impressed by? Um, got around quite a few players, but kind of the player who's in the lead at the moment. Uh, I'm not sure what it's going to be like at the end. But Andy Sullivan, it's been really fantastic to see him going toe to toe with McIlroy and not shrinking away from the challenge. Has been really exciting, and he's just holding so many putts. He's got a really good support out there as well, so they're adding to the uh, the atmosphere quite a lot. So it's not just the people who are rooting for McIlroy. It's someone like Andy Sullivan who doesn't. You know, he's not always up there at the top of the leaderboards competing against the best in the world, but he's certainly uh, giving it a good go. And the, the whole kind of a- the whole atmosphere and the whole leaderboard has been really exciting because it's between Willett and Rose all the way uh, for the race to Dubai. And, uh, I'm going to just correct. Oh, sorry. sorry, I hate to say that. To sorry, I'm just I'm, I'm, I'm looking at a sign uh, where Justin's just up here, and he kind of <laughs> he crossed my mind like he does most days. But yeah, Willett and uh, McElroy, who have been head to head all season, never to have been very close on the leaderboard as well. So it's, it's give the crowds what they want to see an exciting Sunday and Max the, the scoring around this golf course has been quite frankly absurd um, shooting you know seven and eight unders uh, this week as someone who play, who's played the golf course a lot uh, is that a score you're familiar with no <laughs> maybe like eight over but not eight under are you surprised by how easy they're making it look because it's not an easy golf course is it no it's not easy at all um, I mean the torpers are the best in the world but yeah I'm still very surprised and Rick, you spent a bit of time this morning sitting on the range watching some of the guys, uh, enjoying maybe a little bit of sunshine and just yeah. chilling out watching the guys. Nice. Um, from a kind of technique perspective, a swing, swing perspective, did anyone surprise you? Anyone you go, oh, I didn't realise he was that good? Um, we watched actually a lot of Alex Noren this morning and he was. It, it looked like he was actually doing a practice session as opposed to a warm-up before he went and played. Now, he wasn't, he wasn't in contention, he was quite a few back from the lead, but he really ground it out this morning. Uh, the big thing for me that I see with these players is they're just so, so good from that short range. We were looking at, yeah, they can hit it 250 yards, 300 yards, and guys behind us were saying, oh, look how far they can hit it. That's not really the thing that impressed us the most. It was from the 100 yards and in. I mean, even when they're trying to just hit the 50-yard banner or the 100-yard flag, they're, they're hitting it every single time and to such accuracy. It's quite quite astonishing. And I think that's the big thing that highlights to me. But Alex Noren really ground it out today and obviously he's got a lot of things I'm sure he's wanting to work on through the winter to get better for next season. Absolutely. They're, they are so good. It's frankly sickening for the likes of me <laughs> to, to watch them. Um, OK, well, we're sort of playing a bit of a game of Back to the Future because this the start of this podcast will happen after the event has finished. Right now, the guys are currently Ooh. on about 14 or 15 and they're tied at the top. So, yes. obviously, go on <laughs> obviously, I am uh, going to have to put you in the hot seat. Uh, Peter, first of all, um, Rory or Andy um, or somebody else? You know, it's between those two. I, I, I want to say Andy, so I'll say Andy. Why do you want to say Andy? <laughs> um, I, I really, I just wanted to win. He seems like a very likeable guy. Um, and I think I can say this safely away from Rory's bodyguard, uh, who's out there <laughs> with him as well. So, yeah, I want, I want Sullivan to win. I want him to do it. I do. Max, who's got the game to do it? I think Rory's got the game, but I hope Sullivan wins. Oh, 2-0 two, two so far, yeah, Rick. Well, I, I absolutely deep down want Andy Sullivan to win. 
my, my heart says Andy Sullivan, my head is not seeing anything yeah. past Rory. So, I just think Rory yeah. with this experience and that, yes, Andy is three-time winner so far on tour this season, this will make it his fourth, but what Rory has over and above that is that confidence and that and that self-belief that he is the best player here at this moment in time. And it'll capitalise a lot of history where the, the Race of Dubai winner has actually won the last event. And I, I just, I just, it's just written in the mm. stars for me. I think Rory's going to win it at maybe 20, maybe 22 under. Well, there you have it. Rick, Rick has spoken. And for uh, you, Neil. Oh, well, I'm not going to. Well, Rory, obviously. Yeah. Uh, I, yeah. Obviously. Uh, <laughs> obviously. Come on. Well, that makes that round of questioning quite pointless, doesn't it? You can probably, uh, if you've listened to this, we apologise uh, profusely uh, for what we've just spoken about. So, yeah, Rory, obviously. Rory, obviously. There, there you go. I've spoken. That's the end of it. Um, guys, thank you very much for joining us, and um, we'll hopefully see you in a future podcast. Thank you. On a future tour. On a future tour. <laughs> uh, yeah, talking about um, playing well around here, what's your best round around here? Uh, 69. Uh, Max, how old are you, Max? Uh, just turned 12. Max has just turned 12 and shot 69 around here. And we're, uh, we're playing night golf with Max today. And uh, we're going to be slightly worried about the... I think he's going to give us shots. I think that's the way we can balance it out. <laughs> well, I tell you what, you've got to keep um, your eyes peeled on Rick and Peter's uh, YouTube channel to see Max yeah, uh, right. in action against the guys. tonight. <laughs> yeah, it could be quite amusing to watch. Anyway, I certainly will be, and I hope you do too. Uh, guys, thanks for joining us. Okay, so that was Rick and Pete, um, and I think it's fair to say that I won the little battle of the predictions there by um, clearly pointing out that I thought Roy's going to win. But actually, um, I think we, it's probably worth offering a, a word of consolation for Andy Sullivan. Last year, Andy was our playing editor, and I got to know Andy fairly well, actually. Um, various photo shoots and time throughout the year spent together. He is a top, top bloke and a great golfer. He has, you know, he is a fantastic ball striker, and as we saw today, Nick... What a great short game. Brilliant. But, but before we come on to his, his aptitude on the course, it's just really refreshing to see a golfer playing with a genuine smile on his face the entire time. We've actually got a feature with Andy going in the next issue of the magazine where he talks about a change of perspective for him, how five, six, seven years ago he was actually quite angry. And he's completely mellowed out. He's got a completely new take on the game of golf. And you can really see that. And you have to think that's in some way responsible for his performances this season. Three victories, only McElroy's matched him. And it's just great to see someone truly loving what they're doing out on the golf course and he doesn't seem to have a weakness he's absolutely fantastic tee to green a terrific ball striker and he, he really didn't back down today McElroy really had to go out and win the event um, shot 68 in the final round of the final event of the season alongside Rory McElroy and he shot 68 so hats off to him for that and, and I think Rory McElroy touched on it in his, in his victory presentation how Sullivan's aim is obviously to, to represent Europe in the Ryder Cup next year and if he does get on the team, which at this point you have to say looks fairly likely, he's going to be a tremendous asset, not just for his skill but for his temperament as well. No, and, and you're quite right Nick, I, I actually followed um, the final group for the front nine this morning and um, what was so good to watch from my perspective was seeing how Andy was interacting with the crowd. What what normally would have been an instance of everyone rooting for Rory very quickly became an instance where half the crowd, genuinely half the crowd were hoping that Andy was going to do it because he was interacting with them, he was talking to them when he'd come up to his ball, people were cheering for him and he'd say thanks um, he, he would openly talk to himself just before he hit a shot and as you say it's really refreshing, he just looks like a normal guy just playing golf um, not one of these sort of highly tuned athletes that um, 
probably doesn't want to give too much of themselves away. They're sort of closeted, trying to keep very secretive. He's very open. He's an open book, and, and what you see is what you get with him. Really refreshing to watch. He's a great character for the crowd. And just to touch on your earlier point there, I was stood on the eighth green. We heard a couple of cheers coming from the McElroy group on successive holes. And me and my brother, who's with me out here, we said, OK, there you go, that's a McElroy birdie. Watching the scoreboard, it's a Sullivan birdie, and the, the, the sound coming from the crowd emanating from the, from the McElroy group was incredible. And you just immediately assumed that it was McElroy, but no, it's it's a product of his character that he's so popular with the fans, and, and he's going to continue to be because this is how he approaches the game of golf, and it's really refreshing to see. And I think we've now reached a critical moment in the career of Andy Sullivan, where he's now proven himself to be a um, a tour winner three times in, in one year the only other player that did that this year was Rory so um, hats off to, to Andy and Rory for that achievement um, and going into next season there really is nothing left for him to prove other than is he one of the top top players in the world and can he kick on from here can he reach that kind of top 20 player in the world status and in doing so make his way onto the Ryder Cup now Nick project ourselves forward one year we're sat here next to the first tee enjoying a enjoying a celebratory peroni at the end of another big European tour season can Andy become one of the big stars of the European tour next year? Yeah I think he can and the reason for this is at this level you have a very large number of players with similar skill sets but what transfers those semi-average to good players into the great players is self-belief, is the confidence and the mindset they have and, and Sullivan I think just he's going to encounter a few hurdles but he'll take them all in his stride he'll take them with a smile on his face and that's going to stand him in excellent stead and he's really really got a terrific game um, haven't actually ever watched him as close up as I have done today and he really impressed me in all spheres of his game so if he maintains that self-belief he's got a huge injection of confidence going into the new season then I think he will and I think it was earlier this year maybe at the Northern Trust Open he, he popped up in some PGA Tour event and was, was leading after 36 holes and really challenged there on his I believe it was his first outing in America. And now he's got entrance into all the majors and World Golf Championship events. I think we'll see him put in a couple of good performances next year with a view to him really, really challenging those events maybe over the next couple of seasons. Well, that's Andy, and he, he was a great story from today because the duel with Rory, the two going head-to-head, especially through the front nine with each of them throwing birdies at each other pretty much on every hole, it seemed, uh, was absolutely captivating to watch. But in the end, um, Rory's... Um, sort of box office class I guess won through and he took the spoils but not before a little wobble shall we say from Rory um, Nick that tee shot he hit on 17 was not the best he did exactly <laughs> the same thing yesterday um, what, what was your take on on, on on that moment for Rory well maybe it was a psychological thing with that with that tee shot I think also it's important to note here that I think they were waiting for five minutes on the tee yeah, that's that, never good. That's never good. We know that Rory likes to get on with his business and play quite quickly. So those two factors combined, I mean, you still weren't expecting him to hit that shot. But instead of reflecting on the poor shot, he's human after all. Everyone hits bad shots. Let's reflect on the putt. Uh, and it's the mark of a true champion who never lies down and never accepts that he's beaten. And he rolled that in to really, really put the sucker punch into Sullivan, who was thinking he was going to be standing on the 18th hole square, effectively. Yeah, we, and I just got out of the um, of the press conference with Rory after the... Um, after the round and he said he's never in his whole career made a better bogey um, he hit it in the water and then as he was walking up to his ball obviously he said he couldn't broadcast what he was thinking to himself but then JP had a little word his caddy had a little word in his ear and said now you have to look at it that you're all square with Andy and you, you know, you've got the game to go, and go ahead and win this and um, he knocked it on the green and, and hold an absolute monster of a putt for that um, for that bogey and it it's 
what the best players in the world do, isn't it? It's kind of the big moments. They just do. So they pull a rabbit out of a hat. Well, it's, it's people often ask what sets the great players apart from the good players, and you can look at driving, you can look at putting, but I think it's more important to look at the things you can't quantify, i.e., how do they step up when they've got a career or a tournament-defining moment? And in the case of Rory, in the case of great champions down the years, they make that, they put that dagger in when the, their contender is thinking that they might be in with a sniff again, and they really knock the, knock the wind out of their sails. And that's what all great champions do, and that's what Rory did today. And I think it's a mark of how good he is that a lot of people weren't that surprised that he went ahead and knocked that one in. And Rory very nearly wasn't eligible, well, he really, strictly speaking, was not eligible to be here this week. Um, Nick, a, a good decision by the European Tour to include him in the field? Yeah, I think both the short term and in the long term it was a good decision Look, Rory obviously cares a great deal about the European Tour and wants to continue playing on the European Tour and the fact of the matter is that he did injure himself and miss a lot of tournaments early this summer could the European Tour have been strict perhaps I think Danny Willett said something uh, earlier this week but then Danny Willett also recognised that Rory is the standout asset on the European Tour and the fact of the matter is you have to look after your standout assets and, and Rory's going to be very loyal to the European Tour going forward, I would think, not just because of this decision, because he owes a lot to the European Tour, but I think it was a very shrewd move, and it would have been hugely surprising and one with quite a lot of repercussions if they didn't take it. So whilst they could have taken a difficult action and said, no, you have to play these 13, it, it's common sense has prevailed in the end. And Rory has now uh, hung up his golf clubs for the rest of the year. He, he said in his press conference that he, he might hit a few balls between now and uh, the new year. Now... Um, the date today is something like the 22nd, I think, 21st 22nd. or 22nd, 22nd. So um, that's a nice little stint off for him. And he clearly feels great about his game going into that break. And I think that's that's a big point going forward for next year for Rory. Because if you cast your minds back to when Rory had that slump, just uh, just after he, he joined Nike and he, he went through some... Um, some troubles off the golf course and a slump on the golf course his game was poor he got to the end of the season he won in Australia and then that set up the most incredible year uh, last year in 2014 when he won two majors um, this win here could be the catalyst possibly Nick for something big next year yeah I think given how he's played this week I think we're all expecting at least one major from Roy next year and, and make no bones about it he's going to be looking at the world rankings and he's going to be upset about the fact that he's currently in third even with his win today so whilst he's going to relax and take some time off, he's got one eye on the world rankings and he's had that steely determination to get back to where he feels and where he probably should be. So next year is going to be huge for McElroy, provided he doesn't get involved in any games of football over the winter period with his friends. <laughs> I think he'll be fine and I think we'll see him lifting at least one major trophy next year. Yeah, possibly take on the role of goalkeeper would be my, <laughs> my advice for Rory on that front. Um, and it would, be, it would be remiss of us, Nick, not to talk about Danny Willett because obviously all the talk is, is Rory, Andy Sullivan, but Danny came into this event with a chance of winning the, um, the race Dubai standings. He didn't. It was a tall order beating McElroy around a golf course that seems to be absolutely set up and uh, suited perfectly for his game. But Danny did play very well and he finished tied fourth. Um, a quick word on, on where Danny is now in the game. I mean, we talked a few weeks ago on the podcast about how his stature has grown. But he's only added to that over the last three weeks, three or four weeks during this final series. He's the real deal, isn't he? Absolutely is the real deal. And, and don't forget, this was his fourth event in a row. He'd played in all the previous final series events. So he would have been excused for coming here, sort of buckling under the pressure of playing with Rory and trying to usurp Rory and stumble to a 40 or 50-something finish. But no, shows a real sense of what his character was like. That he, he came here, he was only, what, three shots behind Rory heading into the final day? He was, what, 12, 11 under heading into the final day? So he played extremely well. But 
to beat McElroy on this golf course. McElroy here had finished outside the top five once in six starts, won three events. So it was always going to be a huge order. And I think I said in the podcast last week that Willett went into the event knowing that he was probably going to have to finish inside the top five to have any chance. As it turned out, he had to win to have any chance. But the, the fact that he came here and put up such a, a stout performance was, was a, a mark of what he is as a player. And next year, the confidence he will gain from this year going forward is unquantifiable. He's won twice. He's proved why well, he challenged at an Open Championship. And he's proved that he is really the real deal. No discernible weakness in his game. So look out for a very strong year for Danny next season. So as we sit here, and the, as Nick and I look over towards our right-hand side, we can see the sun setting. It's rather rapt because the sun quite literally has set on the 2015 European Tour season. Um, and again, Nick, we did um, talk a little bit about the strength of the European Tour a couple of weeks ago. Um, now that we've had this big showcase event, where do you, you think the European Tour stands? Do you think the, the, the guys in the, in the big decision-making roles will be really chuffed with their work, or do you think they'll be looking to make more changes next year? Well, I think we've already seen the significant changes, which I think were positive, announced by Pelly last week, but I think as they sit down and reflect over a glass of wine tonight, they will recognise the hugely deep talent pool of talent on the European Tour at the moment and everyone always talks about is the PGA Tour stronger, is the European Tour stronger it's very difficult to say that the PGA Tour is stronger at this moment in time with the depth of player we have here uh, and next year should be very interesting, I'm looking forward to seeing what happens with the Americans because we haven't talked about Patrick Reed yet but it's been great to see him come over and play these events now hopefully he'll go back to America, say how great it was playing in front of the European Tour galleries, how, how great the players are on the European Tour, how great the camaraderie is on the European Tour, and perhaps influence a few of these American guys to think, OK, lucrative final series, got to play five events, well maybe that's something that I'll put on my radar for the next season and, and potentially going into the future. So I think his impact is, is going to be potentially quite significant going forward, and I think the European Tour is in a very strong place at the moment. Uh, yeah, and I think... That is possibly, I don't know if you can hear the, the cheering going on in the background there, I think maybe Rory's made an appearance um, uh, in front of all the, the big crowd that's gathered um, just in front of the clubhouse here. Um, if he has, it's another sign of, of the class of the man. It, certainly the, the speech that he gave on that 18th green um, was, was classy. He's 26 years old, but no doubting, he, you know, he, he's a very mature 26-year-old um, who is a real ambassador for this sport. But that's, that's by the by. As we, as we look ahead to, to next season, um, what would you like to see happen? Would you like to see any changes? Would you like to see changes to formats or changes to uh, any events? I mean, what would you like to see, Nick? What would be the ideal scenario from a spectator's engagement perspective? I think that, obviously, you have to let the action on, on, on the course do most of the talking, but I think setting up an event as we've experienced today with lots of attractions for families, for youngsters, for entertainment is a good blueprint to follow. I'd like to see a couple more match play events. Uh, and I would be really interesting to see them throw in a 36-hole event or 54-hole event somewhere. Whether they'll do that, whether they can get a sponsor on board who's prepared to run an event like that remains to be seen. But Pelly has made some good changes. I look forward to the revamp final series next year. I think it makes sense having three events rather than four because four events, as you've seen this year, it, it's quite tricky to play in them all, especially when they're spread across the world. So that change makes sense. Well, they do, hang on a second. They managed to do it in the FedEx Cup. Yeah, obviously much more localised. The, the time changes that you have to go through to play in all four events is they also have a week off in the FedEx Cup. Oh, but starting in Turkey, going to China and finishing in Dubai, the time changes aren't horrendous. I mean, these players are pretty well used to it. Granted, but, but four events in a row is, is a fair amount at the moment and they don't have any sort of break. So I think three events we can potentially agree, maybe maybe not, that it's slightly more logical in yeah. its structure. 
and I think it makes sense that the Chinese event has been pushed out of the final series because it's awful from a European viewer perspective. Oh, harsh words there, Nick. <laughs> Actually, I, I would say it, it's tough from a European viewer perspective. It also you want as much atmosphere as possible and um, you know golf is still very much a growing sport in China you come out here to something like this this final series and you see the crowds here they create the atmosphere and, it, and it's those crowds that the top players in the world want to play in front of absolutely and you look at Turkey it's, it's a very well run event and the players are very fond of playing in Turkey it's nice conditions it's a nice golf course very pleasant uh, and then the last two events are, are terrific South Africa it's going to be a great golf course there's water everywhere there's wildlife that comes onto it it's a really really great event and actually speaking to Danny Willett not too long ago he was saying how much he absolutely loved going out to, to, the, to the Ned Bank of course he did he won yeah, it obviously he won it but he actually made those comments before he won it and he said how, how the other players love to play there as well and Dubai it's an event that everyone's very fond of and all the European viewers are able to watch the climax to all these events at a hospitable hour and I think that's only a good thing so the changes bravo to Keith Pelly they, they look to be good thus far we'll see how everything goes next year but I'm encouraged by, by what he's done since he's been in office. OK, and our final uh, subject matter, I think, uh, which is important to cover, is Rookie of the Year, because rarely do you have two players in with the chance of winning Rookie of the Year who have achieved quite so much. Um, and it's really exciting to have the likes of Ben Ann and, and Matt Fitzpatrick, both of whom have had fantastic seasons by anyone's standards, let alone the fact that they're rookies. Um, it looks like, I don't think they've made an announcement yet, but it looks like Ben will get it. He's, I think he's higher up in the rankings. Uh, he did win the BMW Championship. Um, Nick, what, what do you see as their relative strengths and weaknesses? And um, are these guys the future of the European Tour or have they just had really good first seasons on tour? No, I think there's much more to them than that. If you look at the nature of Ben's win at Wentworth, I think he shot something like 65 or 66 in the final round in the best field of the year in the most prestigious tournament on the European Tour to win by a number of shots. Yeah, just blew them away. And that, that says a lot about you. Matt Fitzpatrick's had, I think, eight top five finishes and he'd only had one or two at about August time. So he's really put together a tremendously, not just impressive, but consistent run of form. And to be able to, to play that consistently at this level, I think that's something that stands great players apart from good players as well. Because there's so many talented guys out here that can come and have a great week and then disappear back into the doldrums. But, but to have a good week and maintain that form for, a, for an extended period is very impressive. And that's what Matt's done so well. And great to see a little fist pump when he knocked in that part on 18 today to finish inside the top five. What a year. And someone threatening the Ryder Cup side next year as well so there's about 20 contenders for the Ryder Cup team next year so we'll see what happens there it's going to be an interesting race and, and just looking at, um, uh, at Matt Fitzpatrick and where he is in his career and then Rory and where he is in his career um, without wanting to <laughs> pile too much pressure on Matt's Shoulders. He does have that. He does have something about him, doesn't he? He does have that star quality. Not that Ben Ann doesn't. He certainly does. As you say, blew the field away at Wentworth. An absolutely phenomenal win. They both have star quality, um, and it looks as if if those two are future challenges to Rory and to Jordan Spieth and to Jason Day, that this game of ours that we all love so much, it looks like it's in good hands. Well, can you remember a time where you've sat there and reflected on the game and thought it's been in better shape? I mean, I, I granted I'm 26 years old, so I, I can't look back to the old age of the big three. But as I stand here now, very excited heading into the next season because you've got your top group of at least 10 players who are genuinely world-class. And then the group just below them is 30, 40 strong of players who can win major championships. And it's going to be terrific viewing next year, and I can't wait. Well, there you have it. That is the end of the European Tour season for 2015. It's the end of the podcast. Nick and I are now off to have a celebratory pint, pat ourselves on the back for a very hard-fought day on the golf course. It was 
oh, the temperatures were brutal out there. It must have been 30 degrees. <laughs> <laughs> um, but uh, thank you very much for listening, and we look forward to uh, welcoming you into the clubhouse next time. Goodbye. <laughs>